church. I'm going to get you, if you would, grab your Bibles very quickly and let's go to Mark chapter number two. Mark chapter two. I'll just be quite transparent with you. I have a few minutes and uh, normally I take a few minutes and then double down on those few minutes. And I'm going to try not to do that as much today. But I have a, I have a confession to make. I've kind of had a burden this last week and I still quite honestly don't know if I can put my finger right on where that burden is. I just know there's a wrestling and a stirring in my heart for our church. And I was thinking about Celebration Sunday and all the things that I wanted to share with you. And I really feel the Lord, all week I've been asking the Lord, give me a message, give me a sermon, give me, give me a word for our people. I made a commitment several years ago and I've not always kept the commitment to the Lord, but I've always kind of made a commitment several years back that I don't want to give something to our church unless I know it's a definitive word from you. Like, I don't think you're, you need to hear Todd Connors come up here and just give you my idea of what I think things should be, right? What you need is for me to hear from the Lord and come and speak to you based upon what the Lord has spoken to me. And so I've been wrestling and I just felt like, I mean, even, even uncertainty in the moment, if I'm quite honest with you, like not even knowing specifically what that word is, I just feel in my heart a, a burden for our church, a, bur a burden about where we are, a burden about where we're gonna go in the future, a burden about what, what is it gonna look like in the next months and in the, in the years ahead? And really this, this burden really flows out of just this sense of a feeling, both this tension of an unfinished calling that God has given us, but that is accompanied with, I believe in some ways, uninterested, faith family that may not really be interested in what God has for our future. And here's what I mean by this. There are two things that really alarm me as we think about all the great things that God is doing and what he wants to do in the future. There are two things that really alarm me. The first is this. The first is, is that we would become a body of believers where God's activity in our midst becomes such commonplace that we take it for granted until the point of which it no longer takes place. Where God's power and his movement and his mission and, and the things that in miracles and the things that he's wanting to do to transform people from death to life and seeing lives transformed, marriages restored, communities served, that we would get to a place where it'd be like, yeah, I heard that story before. And it would become such commonplace that God is at work to the point of which we would get so jaded by it that it would no longer take place. And, I, and I, I feel this because I, I think in some ways, this is what has happened to a lot of churches through the years. God is on the move and God's spirit is on us and there are mighty things that are taking place. Then all of a sudden before too long, we're no, we no longer stand in awe of the power of God. This leads us to a place of complacency where we no longer marvel at his goodness God's activity because, becomes such commonplace, God says, I think I'm done with that place. And you say, can that happen here? And, and I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. Again, I, I don't know what all this looks like for us. I think it's already happening. I think in many ways it's already happening here. 
that what used to move us no longer moves us. Passions that once fueled us no longer fuels us. And you can read the Bible and you can see whenever God's presence became commonplace, it ceased to dwell in that place. My greatest fear is that we would become a Samson church. Say, what do you mean a Samson church? Remember the story, God's power presence upon Samson's life and it became commonplace. And then it said that he got up one day to go fight the Philistines as he already did, not knowing that the spirit of God had departed. God's presence became such commonplace that it no longer took place. And I can just confess to you, this is me just being real. Like I, this, is, this is just as real and as raw. I have not one note other than a few little scribbly things I put in my Bible. This is just me letting the guard down for a few minutes and just saying, and I, I'm not quite sure what to do to recapture that for us. I just know we are missing a sense of awe in this place. And I prayerfully, I'm gonna continue to let whatever little burden the Lord is putting on my heart, I'm just gonna stay here for a little bit and ask God to give us direction on how we, we find that place again. Because I don't know about you. Can I, can I just be honest with you? Can, this eyes right here just for a second. This is raw. This is honest. I don't want to attend a church that Jesus doesn't attend. I don't want to attend a church the presence of God doesn't dwell in. The second burden that I carry that I'm feeling right now what to do with is this, it's kind of the other side of this. So when we stop standing in awe of God's presence and power, we stop being interested in God's mission. Like we stop getting interested in God's mission. When we're no longer moved by the lostness that's out there in the world. Because God's presence and God's spirit is what stirs our heart for God's mission. And we cannot feel for the world what God feels for the world unless the spirit of God is creating that in us. And so the, the, when, you, when you have a loss of a sense of awe at the power and the presence of God, it leads then to a lack of interest in the mission of God. Because our hearts are not beating for the things that God's heart beats for. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the heart of God. But what happens in churches like ours who have experienced exponential growth, the history of New Beginnings has been a history of exponential growth. We've experienced this past decade a movement of God that is, is, is incredible. But what happens often in places where God moves in power, when we get complacent and it becomes commonplace, we get to a place of comfort where we go, and here's the question we begin to ask, when is enough gonna be enough? Aren't we big enough? 
haven't we grown enough? Haven't we done enough? Haven't we built enough? And what that question indicates, it indicates and reveals a heart that is no longer focused on reaching the lost or focused on the mission of God. And it's really easy for a church like ours to get to that place. And God help us. We must guard ourselves from this. Because here's what I need everyone in this room to understand and everyone watching online. And here it is. When a church loses its focus on the mission of God, it ceases to be a church of God. Whenever a church loses its focus on the mission of God, it ceases to be a church of God. Now we can have meetings and we can have programs and ministries, and, 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 but if we are not interested in the mission of God, what is the mission of God? It is taking the gospel of Jesus to those who are lost. And so here's the burden. You ready for it? 19 million Texans right now don't know Jesus. That is ni 19 million Texans. Not to mention the hundreds of millions of people around the world that don't know Christ. Not to mention the billions of people who don't even have access to the gospel. Now, let's just bring it down here at home in our backyard. According to statistics, 180-something thousand people in our neighborhoods don't know Jesus. So, so here's, here's what we've got to see. Do you realize that right now, New Beginnings, thriving in numbers, great online audience. I mean, we're getting back to in the room and all of that is great. Exponential growth. Last year, I think we averaged somewhere around 23 to 2,500 people every single week. And that's phenomenal. We've experienced an unbelievable amount of growth. Can I just put it in perspective though? When you look at the numbers of those who are in the greater East Texas area who God has called us to reach, we are reaching less than 1% of our population. So the question, is enough enough? The answer is no. We have not even scratched the surface of the lostness in our community. 1% of our community is being reached through the ministry of New Beginnings. And I know there are other churches in the community and I'm praying God uses them in, in, in powerful ways as well. But God has called us to be on mission through the ministry of New Beginnings. So when we ask the question, I mean, are we big enough? Have we reached enough people? Have we gone far enough? And the answer is, look, 1%. So if I was just to be audacious, if I just say, oh, man, this is just, just go all out. Let's, over the next few years, let's do this. Let's go reach one more percent. You would look at me and probably go, 1%, that's all you got, pastor? But check this out. This is, this is what the perspective I want you to get. If we reach 1% over the next few years, that means that new beginnings would double in size from where we are right now. And the perspective that I want you to get is even our big visions are small compared to the need that is in our community. Even the most audacious goals of doubling a church that's already tripled in the last 10 years is, is, just, is, is mind blowing when you think about how many people will still be unreached even if we hit that audacious goal. And church family, 
what I'm talking about, these two burdens of areas that I fear where we're slipping into, lack of awestruck wonder at the presence and the glory and the grace of God in our midst. And I lost a focus on the mission of God. If we don't watch our hearts, we'll end up like Samson. We'll go to a Sunday service like we've always gone. And we'll plan a For the City Sunday like we've always done. And we'll have EBS like we've always done not knowing that the spirit of God has left us. We must guard our hearts from this. So what am I praying for? You say, why did you turn to Mark chapter two? Because I want to give you just three small nuggets and I promise you this is going to be short, so write these things down. Here's the story, Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two, this is what I believe I'm asking, I'm praying that the Spirit of God does in our life what he did with a group of men in this passage. And we had returned to Capernaum after some days. It was reported that he was at home. This is verse one, verse two now. And many were gathered together so that there, were, there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men and they could not get near him because of the crowd and they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's three things I believe that I'm asking God to do through the power of his spirit. I love this because this passage, it just says, and there were four men. We don't know their names. You know what that means? It could be any one of us in the room. It's the nameless heroes of the Bible. They don't get a book named after them. They don't get a lot of stories where their name is highlighted. There's no flannel graph in old school VBS. Just four random guys who God used in an incredible way. The they's of the Bible. So what did they do? Let me give you three things. This is what I'm asking God does. First of all, they had a burden for their friend. How do I know they had a burden for their friend? Because for crying out loud, most paralytics in the New Testament just laid by the side of the road. If you look at any story where there's a paralytic or a blind guy or somewhere, someone who is in desperate need for healing, typically they're just laying on the side of the road as someone else passes by. But not this guy. This guy had four friends and these four friends picked him up, put him on a mat and they carried him from where he was to where Jesus was. Their lives were inconvenienced because they had a friend who had a need and they knew that Jesus could meet the need. And therefore, they reordered their day so that their friend could experience the power of Jesus in his life. They had a burden. So a question for us this morning, do we have a burden for our city? Do you have a burden for friends, coworkers, relatives, neighbors, people that play sports with your kids? Do you have a burden? Here's the really great way to answer that question. Are you willing for your life to be interrupted 
so that that friend or that coworker can come to know Jesus? What are you willing to be disrupted in in order for them to know Jesus? Here's the second observation. They would not let anything get in the way. They wouldn't let anything get in the way. And this is my prayer for us. Now check this out. What do they do? They get the man, they get him to the house. The, 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 the house is full. I'm talking about, they, they walk around the front door, can't get in. Go to the side door, can't get in. Let's just kind of move around, can't get in. There's nowhere in the place where they can get into where Jesus is. And so think about this. They don't go to the guy and go, man, we tried. We tried a window, we tried the front door, we tried the back door, nobody would move. We even said, hey, we got a guy who needs Jesus and everybody's saying, all of us need Jesus. We can't get in. We tried, let's move on and let's go about our day. They didn't do that. What do they do? They climb on top of the roof and they rip the stinking roof off the house is what they did. Now imagine this, imagine our church being full, like so full, nobody else could get in. But you brought a friend, it's like, man, this person needs to meet Jesus. And all of a sudden you climb the roof and open up kind of chainsaw and start cutting off the roof in the house. Like we'd have some folks going, who's going to pay for that, right? <laughs> These guys didn't care. Whatever it takes, we're willing to do whatever it takes. As a church, the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is this, are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach this city for the gospel of Jesus Christ? What are the parameters and the barriers that if we hit those, we go, it's not worth that. Here's the third observation. Here's, and here's what motivates all of it. The burden and the willingness to do whatever it takes. Listen to this. They believed Jesus was the only hope. They truly believed that Jesus was the only hope. Now, I know in this room, we say Jesus is the only hope, but look at me for a second. If we really believe that Jesus is the only hope of the world, then why in the world are we so quiet about it? And why in the world do we put so many barriers around what we're not willing to do in order for the mission of God to go forward? And why are we not losing more sleep over the lostness of our city and the friends that don't know Christ? A friend of mine said it this week. He says, there is a massive gap between what we know in the mind and believe in the heart. And the only way that we can transfer what we believe or know in our mind to believe in our heart is the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit to work us over in a way so what we know up here becomes what drives us here. And how do we know this? It says that when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man. He saved him of his sins and he healed the man. Not when he saw the man's faith, but these men were so confident that Jesus was the only hope for their friend that they had this burden. Their lives were turned upside down. They ripped the roof off saying nothing's getting in the way. And when Jesus saw this, he's like, my goodness, look at the faith of these men. Could it be the reason that we're not seeing more souls saved in our community is because not of the lack of faith of the unbeliever, but the lack of faith of the believer. New Beginnings family, this is my prayer. We celebrate all that God has done, but we anticipate all that God still wants to do. 
and what we need, New Beginnings family. And I'm going to close in prayer. Ms. Cinch is going to come up here and make some amazing announcements and get us out of here. But what we need more than anything is an outpouring of God's spirit and his presence in a fresh and new way. And can I confess to you this morning? I don't know what that looks like for us. But can I promise something to you? You ready for it? As your pastor, as one of your elders, and I can speak for our elders, even though I've not spoken to them about this. We are going to do everything we can to find out what God is doing and what he wants to do. And we're going to beg like crazy. His spirit falls. And here's the simple request as your pastor to you. Will you pray with us for that? Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace and your spirit. Help us never to take it for granted. Use us in greater ways in, your future, in the future, God, because your spirit of, is among us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said.